<laughs> awesome, you guys. Uh, welcome, welcome, welcome to Lakewood, uh, what we are calling Lakehood. And that's not supposed to be offensive to Lakewood. That's supposed to be like, we love you, Lakehood. Um, so hopefully you love it as well. Um, and I, I want to thank you guys uh, for being here. And I wanted to say a few things about prayers that we've had for this campus um, before uh before we moved in here. And um, it's a nicer campus, and we were thinking to ourselves, you know, this is really great, um, but we still wanted to be first and foremost about people. And so our prayers was um, uh, consisted of things like this, that we have prayed that this place would become our home almost instantaneously. You, you would walk in here, and you would feel the moment you walked in just a peace from the Holy Spirit and a welcoming from the Holy Spirit where um, you knew that this was it, this was home for you. The second thing that we kind of prayed about was that um, this would be a home for prodigals. We talk about that a lot at Red Rocks Church, but that people that are down, that are out, that don't have places to go, people People that need Jesus, people that um, need love, need hope, um, they would feel at home here. That people that don't feel home anywhere else, they would feel at home here. We prayed um, that this would be a ground uh, where people could come, they could feel healed, and then they would be commissioned out into what God has for them and the kind of life that God has for them. And so I wanted to thank you because so many of you have believed so much, um, not just for this ministry, but for what we are beginning to believe is is um, a movement. And... Uh, and I'm grateful. Um, I've cried a lot this week. And I'm just grateful to be here with you guys. And um, what God is doing here, I don't hold lightly. We don't hold lightly as a team. And we're so excited to be partnering with you guys in ministry as we hope to become and we seek to become a generation of kingdom builders. And so that's what we're hoping to do in this home. That's why we called it Lake Hood, making the hood our home. Okay. And so for the first message. I thought we would talk about, if it's okay with you guys, um, <clears throat> I was like, what, what should we open up with this campus? What should we open up this place with? And I thought we would talk about how God feels about us. I thought that for the very first time that, you know, we kind of engaged with the Holy Spirit here, that we would talk about a very simple message, how God feels about us, because most of us probably have a default of what we think God believes or what we think God feels towards us, do we not? Most of us have a default in our head about what we think God feels or what we think he, uh, 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 his, his emotion towards us. We have a default of what we think about that. And most of us put our confidence, our weight of confidence in a certain place when it comes to how God feels about us. And we don't put our weight of confidence necessarily in how he feels about us. We more often than not put our confidence in how we feel about him. Let me explain. A weight of confidence is something like this. You have two friends, okay? You have two friends. One of them is a really great driver. One of them has totaled three cars in six months. And so your weight of confidence naturally is like, you're like, we're going to lunch. And you're like, oh, hey, I'm riding with this guy. You know, like, buckle up. Your weight of confidence naturally and has a default, it naturally goes to a certain place. Your weight of confidence with uh, when you're looking for a loan or financial information or you're trying to figure out what to do with your debt, you have a natural weight of confidence towards your friend who went to school for financial, um, you know, stuff. And... <laughs> And 
does really well with his finances and saves money or with her finances and saves money, your confidence does not go to your broke friend, right, um, that never has money and who is always like, oh, I forgot my wallet, you know, as the check comes. And you're like, awesome. Our weight of confidence at the Super Bowl naturally goes to Marshawn Lynch at the first yard line. It goes to beast mode at the first yard line. It just does, right? But when it comes to our walk with God, when it comes to our relationship with God, there is a weight of confidence that you and I naturally default to. And it is not how he feels about us. It is how we feel about him. And so tonight I want to ask you a question. Do you put your weight of confidence tonight? in your pursuit, and in how you feel about Jesus? Or do you put your weight of confidence in his pursuit and how he feels about you? And I titled tonight, if you're taking message, he pursues. That's what I titled tonight. So before we get into tonight, let's invite the Holy Spirit in here and just say thank you so much, God. We're so grateful. God, we love you. God, I love your salvation. I love your word. I love the way that you weigh heavy on my chest. I love the way that you um, speak to us. And God, I pray tonight that, um, God, I just give you permission to um, use this stage. This is your gospel. This is your platform. This is your people. And I pray that tonight that this, um, this word of truth about the gospel, the revolutionary um, reality of your love would soften hearts in here. And then God would do a deep work within our hearts in here tonight. We're so grateful. We want to worship you in this place tonight. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. All right, so Valentine's Day is coming up on Saturday for those of y'all who have significance and you forgot. How many of you are in a couple and you are going to live large on Saturday? Raise a hand. Like you're going to go get some surfing. Really? Okay. Wow, that's what we're dealing with. How many, really? Okay, no, like, 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 you got to be proud. Okay, so how many of you are going to get into a dress with your significant, I seriously don't see a single hand. All right, all right, all right, so here we go. How many of you do not call it Valentine's Day? How many of you in the depths of your soul have come to call it Single Awareness Day? Raise a hand. No, keep it up. Wave it in the air like you just don't care. Okay. And here's the deal. You're like, and you know, you say, well, I don't need a man or I don't need a woman, you know. But deep down, deep down you're like, it wouldn't be so bad if I had a man. And here's the, you know, it'd be okay. Um... Here's the deal. Here's the deal. I love, you guys don't know this about me. Some of you do that know me a little better. I love, my first thing that I love about this ministry is I get to preach the gospel. The second thing that I love about this ministry is I love being a matchmaker, okay? I am a, deep down, I am your grandmother. <laughs> deep down. And I will set you up with whomever I can find that's breathing, okay? And so, and when I find out, you know, I'm like, oh, girl, you know. And so normally I talk to the females and I'll let the fellas talk to the fellas. And so I get these girls in my office and I'm like, oh, hey, girl. And we start talking and, and I'm like, so, you know, anybody you hanging out with, you know. 
And the girls are like, well, you know, not really, but... Okay, so I was at the 6 p.m., and there was this guy up front, you know, and he was raising his, and you know how I feel about guys that raise their hand in worship. <laughs> and like the Taylor Swift song, you know, it says, it says that guy over the hair with the really good hair, and, and he did, he had really good hair over there. And, and, you know, and then I heard him pray for someone, Jess, and his prayers, Jess, you know, and, and, and I'm like, okay, calm down, you know, and, um. And I'm like, and she's like, Jess, you know, you think I should, you think I should Facebook him or like text him and, and, um, you know, put a little thing out there. And I, every time I'm like, nope, <laughs> you do not. And let me help the ladies in here and let me help you fellas in here because ladies, um, if a man is interested in you, you want a man that will get up in this auditorium and will say, oh, look at that girl and walk across the auditorium to you and say, hi. I'm Ben, <laughs> right? It's, you know, at least, like, you want a man that will at least say his name, right? To, and ask a question like, how you like those garage doors, you know? <laughs> like something is a start, right? And so, and so I'll be like, do, do not call him. Do not, no. You know, because here's the deal. We live in a world today. We live in a world today where we have girls pursuing men, and, and it just ought not be. And it's not because I'm not for strong women. It's because the way that God has set up relationship is that the man is the initiator. He is the pursuer. And the woman is the receiver. And she is the responder. And when it comes to Scripture... And when it comes to the way that God talks about us, his first and foremost uh, metaphor that he uses with himself is that he is the pursuer. That he is the bridegroom and that we are his bride. And we have a church full of people who believe that they are the pursuers of God. And God says, no, 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 no. I am the pursuer, and you are the responder. That's the way that I have worked it out. And tonight we're going to be reading a story about how God pursues. And so if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to Hosea 1. Hosea chapter 1. It's kind of in the middle of your Bible. It's after the book of Daniel. Um, and Hosea 1, and it says this. This is a picture of a pursuer and a responder. And it says this. When the Lord began to speak through Hosea, okay, the Lord said to him, go and marry a promiscuous woman and have children with her. For like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. This is a different kind of Bible story. This probably isn't one that you guys had, you know, felt boards of, <laughs> you know, growing up. It's a story of a man and a woman, and the man's name is Hosea. He is a prophet of God. He speaks on behalf of God. He is a holy man of God, set apart, set apart. From, from the rest of the population, he is special in that way. He is holy. He is um, God's mouthpiece to the group of people that he is with, the Israelites. And there's a woman, and her name is Gomer, which is a bummer of a name. <laughs> just it's, it's all right, though. We're just going to believe that he called her Go or something. I don't know. And, um, 
And so we meet this woman, and it says that she has been promiscuous her entire life. Her entire life, what she has known is a type of depravity and a type of lack on her insides that has led her to seek multiple men uh, for affirmation and to figure out who she is. And it says in Scripture that God goes to Hosea, this man of God who already has a difficult life as a mouthpiece for the Lord. And he goes to him and he says, Hosea, I want you to go and pursue this woman um, and marry her, a woman who has never known monogamy. I want you to marry her, a woman who honestly probably for the life of her cannot love you right now. I want you to go and marry a woman who most likely does not want to love you right now. I want you to go and I want you to pursue her. And then God says something very strange and he says, and he says, the way that you pursue this woman, this is how I pursue my people. This is how I pursue my people. Go after this woman who could care less about you. And so he does. Hosea goes, and we can only imagine what that pursuit was like, but he goes after her, and, and, and um, I don't know what it was like back then if he brought roses. I remember when John first started pursuing me, and he showed up at my door, and um, he had on a button-up short uh, shirt, and then he had um, some flowers, which was awesome, but he also had a bag of coffee because he's a man after my own heart. And then I remember the week after that, he drove me up to the mountains um, to, he was doing a benefit show. His band was playing this benefit show, and it was like this country um, kind of hoedown thing as a benefit to um, profit this foundation. And uh, I remember lie dancing with friends and eating dinner with him. And I remember thinking, like, I've never been so happy sitting next to someone I remember after that, I, I went to Africa for a stint while we dated, and he, um, you know, gave me care packages and things to remember our relationship by since we couldn't be on the phone and couldn't email as often. He pursued me, and Hosea goes after this woman, and God says, this is how I am to my people. It says this in Hosea too. therefore, this is God now talking about how he pursues his people. Therefore, I am now going to allure her. I will lead her into the wilderness. This is him talking about all of us in here. I will allure her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. There I will give her back her vineyards. I will make the valley of anchor a door of hope. There she will respond as in the days of her youth, as in the day she came up out of Egypt. And in that day, declares the Lord, you will call me husband and you will no longer call me master. God pursues us the way that, uh, uh, the very personal and intentional and fierce way that a man pursues a woman. That is how God pursues every single person in here. And then it says, and on that day, you will no longer call me master. You will call me husband. And we have a church full of people, not just within these walls, but outside um, in this city who have come to uh, find God to be their master. And they rely on themselves to perform and to pursue and to bring the effort to their master. And the way that that works is instead of having God pursue us and instead of having him bring his goodness to us, we, um, with everything that we have, try to bring our goodness to him. 
And we, we do things like, well, uh, I know that you want me to go to church, and so I'm going to go to church. And then there's um, different biblical principles that you want me to live by, and so I will do those things. And um, I'll read my Bible because you say to do that. I'll give money to people. I'm going to be kind to people because you say to do that. And we start to view God instead of this relationship. We begin to view him as a worker and a master relationship where I perform, we perform for him. We put in effort and then he gives us back something, some type of blessing or peace. He gives us a wage of sorts, a worker and a master. And God says in Hosea, no, 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 no. No, I would like a relationship with you. And that's going to be very different. That's going to look a lot different because here's the deal about this. First of all, it's going to be messy. Second of all, I'm going to be honest with you. This is what God is saying to us. Um, I'm going to be honest with you people. There is really nothing you can do uh, to profit or to earn my love. The only thing you can do truly is respond to me when I come after you. That's what God is saying in Hosea. God is saying we struggle as a people group to view him as a God that ruthlessly and relentlessly pursues us. We um, struggle as a people group uh, to believe that he is coming after us. We bank more on our effort towards him than we bank on his effort towards us. We bank more on his love towards him than we do on his love towards us. And you know how I know this? Because I listen to our worship songs sometimes. And we sing things like this, God, you're everything that I want. God, I'm running after you. God, my whole heart is what um, is, is, is desiring of you. And even though we have the best intentions and even though we have the truest heart in that moment, um, we're essentially saying falsehoods to a certain degree. Because here's the reality. God, um, you are all that I want. That's not true. <laughs> you want lots of other things. I want lots of other things. We want houses and we want uh, spouses and we want children. We want prosperity. We want good careers. We want our next move. We don't just want him. But do you know what? Um, we're all that he wants. God, I'm running after you. First of all, how theologically weird is that? Is he running away from you? Is God like... I'm just, be, I'm just being honest. If our walk with God is contingent upon us running after him and, and, and running fast enough in order to achieve him, we are toast. But he runs after us, according to Hosea. You are the only thing, uh, God, I want you with all that I am, with all that I am. This is not true all the time. It's not true for me. Do you know that it says in 1 Timothy um, that you are all that he wants? That you are all that he desires? He says, don't call me master, please. Call me husband. The story goes on and um, Hosea marries Gomer. He, um, and I don't know what that, uh, you know, season looked like, but it went on long enough. They were married long enough where they had children together and built a family together. And at some point... Gomer, um, something within her maybe doesn't feel good enough, something within her breaks, something within her um, gets frustrated, and it says in Scripture that she decides at some point to leave her husband, 
to leave her family and then to go after and seek another lover. And she does. She leaves and she does that. And for those of you who have been around adultery, you know the earth-shattering nature of that. I remember sitting with John and we had a friend of ours whose wife had um, cheated on him with multiple people. And I had, will never forget the way that he looked. Someone who was rejected who was told he was not wanted, who was told that he wasn't good enough, who was told that he was disavowed and disliked and disloved. He was broken. And this is Hosea in this moment. And so he begins to pray, and this is how God answers him. This is Hosea 3. He begins to pray, and the Lord said to me, go and show your love to your wife again. Though she is loved by another and is an adulteress, love her as the Lord loves the Israelites. Love her as I love my people. He says, go and love her again. Can you imagine that conversation? Jose is like, are you kidding? Do you know what she's done to me? Go love her again, Hosea. Go after her. Go get her. Your pursuit for her does not end. Go get her again. Go after her again. And he says, this is how I love my people. A people who don't always love me. A people who don't always put me first. This is how. Is this what you picture, YA, when you picture God? A God who never stops pursuing you no matter what you do. Go love her again. And you got to think, what's Gomer thinking in this, this moment? Because she leaves, right, and she's probably like, for whatever reason, she returns to her past life like a lot of us in here have been prone to do. She goes back to the way that she's known things to work and to get needs met. And she goes and she meets with these people. And, um, you know, um, she falls in love with a man who eventually, and um, this is true of any uh, kind of scenario where there's a pimp and a prostitute. Eventually, um, he begins to sell her to other people. And this is her way of life. And you got to be thinking at this moment, she knows what she's done. She has done so many things wrong. There's no way she can go home. That's what she's thinking. There's no way I can go home. And she's definitely not thinking he's going to come after her. Why would he do that? Isn't this how we are? We think that God responds to us the way that we deserve. We think that, gosh, God, the way that I acted today, the way that I... um, the way that I treated this person today, the way that I uh, talked to that person at the store today, my motives, my actions, what I've done, kind of where I'm at right now in my life, if I've had a good day, if I've had a bad day, if I've had a good day, maybe, maybe I'm deserving of your pursuit a little bit, but if I've had a bad day, I do not deserve your pursuit And the majority of Americans um, today, this was found in a study of young Americans. Okay, it was a study of teens by a man named Christian Smith from uh, Notre Dame. And he's a sociologist. And he did a study of Protestant teens in America who are just a litmus test of what we really believe, I think. And um, he said that the majority of them came to show that most American Christians think that a relationship with God, first and foremost, is about essentially being good. If we're good, well, then he pursues us. But if we're not good, I don't know about that. 
for some of us in here, it's different, right? Like we think, well, the moment God pursued me, but the moment I raised my hand in church or stood up at a church camp or, um, you know, whatever, got saved at a retreat, the moment that I made covenant with him, that's the moment that he stopped pursuing me. And I told you that John pursued me um, when we were dating. Um, but the reality is, is that we have been married for six years now. And I drove up to my house on Monday and there was a box on my front porch that was from a flower company. Do you know that he still pursues me now? Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. He'll appreciate that. He will. There you go, babe. Um, he still pursues me now, and he's a human. There are too many of us in here that believe, uh, don't believe that God relentlessly and consistently pursues us with everything that he has. And so what if God is a pursuer of you right now? What if he is? What if right now, no matter if you're not a Christian, no matter if you've been a Christian for 15 years, no matter if you've been a Christian your whole life, what if he tonight is coming after you? And I wrote down a few attributes of what his pursuit is like for us, you guys. And the first thing is this. He loves us first. He loves us first. First John says this. We love because he first loved us. Most of us in here do not approach God this way. We think we need to bring a bucket full of love to him. And he says, no, 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 no. I love you first. That is how you are capable of loving me. I give you enough love and I love you back to life so that you are able to love me. And in response, you love me. There's a book called Redeeming Love that is based on the book of Hosea. And in the book, um, there's a man named Michael Hosea who goes after a woman who is um, a prostitute. She's, uh, it's in the 1900s during the gold rush. And um, he goes after her and initially she is this hard and um, believes that everyone is deceitful and everyone is only out to use her woman. And he pursues her until he loves her back to life, essentially. And only at that moment is she able to love him. And God says to us, I love you so much. And because of that love, you are able to love me back. He says, I love you first. Secondly, he loves us in spite of ourselves. He loves us in spite of ourselves. Romans 5 says this. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. <clears throat> I know this might be hard to believe, but um, when John and I were dating, um, I wasn't, I wasn't, I was kind of a lot to handle. <laughs> and when he met me, I had a lot of old wounds and and different guards up and different sins that were present in my life and different ways that I would control my life. And there was a season of our relationship where in all honesty, there wasn't a whole lot that I brought to him. There wasn't a whole lot of um, goodness or love or good things that I brought to him. And yet he still stayed by my side and waited as I walked through the wounds and I walked through the hurts and I walked through um, different things through prayer and through counseling. And I remembered him emailing me and he said, Jess, this, this season of your life I am believing God is weaving into a tapestry that will be a beautiful, beautiful story someday. And he loved me through the mess. He loved me in spite of myself. 
God tells Hosea, Hosea, go get her. And so Hosea goes and he goes to find Gomer. And where he finds her is um, in a section of the city and in a section of town that no holy man goes. It's in a section of town that no, no one like Hosea goes. Only men who are going to buy and sell women go there. And he goes and when he finds her, he has to go to the house of the man that's most likely sleeping with his wife. <laughs> and when he gets there, the man says, well, you can't have her. Um, she owes me now. She has a debt with me. And so you have to pay. You have to pay for her. And Hosea's like, okay, well, how much? How much? And he goes after her in spite of where she's at and in spite of what she has done. This is how God pursues you and me. This is how he pursues us. And lastly, Hosea goes and he redeems her. He redeems her just the way God redeems us. When he gets her and he finds her there, the man who owns, owns Gomer at that point says, well, you owe me, and it's something like 15 shekels and a couple things of barley or something like that. And so he has to go as a husband of this wife. He has to go and scrounge up money and then pay for what he already, which is already his. He has to pay for a woman that is already his wife to get back his wife, and he redeems her. And that word redeem, I learned this this week, that word redemption means to buy back. That's what it means, to buy back at a high price. And that is what God does for us. That is what he does for us. And I was picturing this this week. I was picturing you know, this moment with Hosea, and um, I didn't just think that in that moment he had to buy back her personhood, but I think that in that moment he had to buy back her heart. He had to buy back her trust almost, even though he had done nothing to break it. He had to buy back everything about her, her soul. And I pictured him almost like getting down on bended knee again and proposing her to her again and saying, Gomer, will you love me again? And Ben, you guys can come back out here, out here. I want to love you. Would you love me again? I want you to wear my ring. Would you wear my ring again? Would you do that again? And tonight, I think that God wants to communicate with us for the very first time that we're in this room. For some of you, maybe the very first time, the reality, the truth, that we do not pursue him, but that he pursues us, and we have the option of responding. And so if everybody in here can stand, there's a couple of questions that I have for you guys tonight. And the first thing is this. God is saying, I would like to pursue you tonight, and maybe you've been a Christian for a very long time. And, it, and you know, you've known God for a long time, and you've walked with him for a long time, um, but your walk with him has become one of a master and a worker where you bring the best that you have 
in hopes that he will love you, in hopes that he will bless you. And all of a sudden, some rewiring is going on in your heart and in your head where God says, no, I would like to pursue you again. I would like to be with you again. Come be with me. And we have a chance to respond. There's another set of us in here who have never known a God like this. And you can feel it because I know I felt it. I remembered a season of my life where God put people in my life and he put um, different uh, scenarios in my life. He put, I remember the feeling in my heart the first time I heard the gospel. It seemed too good to be true. And there are some of you in here tonight who God is pursuing for the very first time. And he's saying, on bended knee, I would like to love you. I'm not like the other gods. Do you know that our God is different than any other God of any other religion? Because he is the only God who pursues. And so with every head bowed in here. And every eye closed, if you're in here and you're like, you know what, I've been a Christian for a long time, but I would love to respond to his pursuit of me again. And I would love to just say yes to his mercy and his love and his grace and his redemption and all of the good things that he brings to me. And to just receive from him, I don't have to work. I can receive and I can respond. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? And if in, you're in here and you're thinking, I don't know who this God is that you're talking about, but if this is a God who redeems me, who buys me back, who will pursue me until the day that I die. And if you're in here, I just want to tell you for a second, if you don't know Jesus, he will pursue you until the day that you die. And so you can receive him now or next week or like four years from now. But now, like, why not just get it over with now? And so if you are in here and you're like, I would love to receive Jesus tonight and respond to his offer, would you raise his raise your hand? Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. God, we love you so much. It says in your word, God, that you allure us that you speak tenderly to us, that you just are devoted to us. And Jesus, this is a truth I need to understand. I want to I know your love more. I want to know your goodness more. I want to know your pursuit more. God, you love us, and we respond to you. And tonight in worship, I just pray that every heart in here is free to just love you because you, you care for us, you pursue us. We don't pursue you, God. You pursue us, and we're so grateful we receive you from you tonight. Thank you in Jesus' name.